Hello! Welcome to my podcast, Dawn Rises. Thank you for joining us again as we explore mindfulness, intentionality, witness consciousness, the art of noticing, and how healing through storytelling and ceremony can happen. And I invite you to tell your story and write your own healing. Today, I have a story about how I lost and then found my voice. I'll be talking about my experiences, and some of them were traumatic and sensitive. If you start to feel upset by parts of my story, please take care of yourself and skip ahead or to the end. I trust you to take care of yourself in the best way possible. The journey of my voice, lost and found. Voices, baby voices. They are just the cutest thing when they are babbling, trying out new ways to make sound, trying to talk. The screaming, well, that just lights up our nerve center so we figure out what's wrong. But the babbling and laughter of young children, it feeds the soul. When I was little, I was always talking. I remember being frustrated by my lack of vocabulary, that people around me just couldn't understand me. I mean, I certainly knew what I was talking about, even if I wasn't using the words that they knew. I have this memory of being three and a half or so. I was in our living room with my parents and they had some friends over. They were sitting around listening to records and chatting. There were stories and laughter floating around me. I had on my, I had my head on my dad's lap and I felt a bit tired and dreamy. And I was having this memory or dream, I guess, about flying through space. I could feel my body big like a whale diving in and out of waves of energy in space, playing, enjoying the friction of liquid movement across my skin, weaving in and out of planets and suns, And I tried to tell this story to my dad using all of the words at my disposal and they just weren't sufficient. I was so frustrated that I couldn't explain this to him in a way that he could experience with me. And it started this lifelong love of words. But I discovered that even learning lots of words, sometimes they could get stuck or silenced, and someone could influence me to such an extent that the silencing and the stuckness could carry on for decades. When I was four, I was sick a lot. Well, I was sick a lot generally. I was born four weeks premature and I had underdeveloped lungs and got every cold under creation. But when I was four, I was at my doctor's office a lot. And it's funny because I didn't actually mind. I loved my doctor. I put him on the same level in my heart as a beloved grandparent. He was older, kind, had soft, wrinkled hands, and he always gave me a sucker. There was one night, though. I was so hot and miserable, and my parents were seriously worried about me. They ended up taking me into the doctor's office very, very late at night. 
And I have these vague memories of the hot and cold feeling at the same time. I remember being cranky and everything hurt. My skin felt like a fire was smoldering just beneath the surface. I sat on the table in the doctor's office and the doctor was there by himself. There was no nurse, which was very weird. Well, he listened to my heart, my lungs, and got my temperature, and I had never seen him look so serious. He spoke with my parents, and then he talked to me and told me there was something in my throat that was making me sick, and we needed to take it out. I couldn't quite grasp what he was saying, but if he said it, we needed to go away. And if it did, then my sore throat wouldn't be so sore. And I was 100% on board with that. I had to take some antibiotics for a while. I remember getting that orange flavored children's aspirin. Oh, I love that stuff. And in a few days, I had to go to the hospital for a blood test before surgery. And this (laughs) was an adventure. I wasn't a fan of needles. I don't remember that. I don't remember when that turned into a full-on meltdown, like tantrum-level fear, but that's what we had that day. This was like in the early 70s, and nurses were in starched white uniforms. Orderlies were in white, and there was puke green paint on the walls. And that original Lysol scent was everywhere. It was scary. It was terrifying to me. This was a scary, strange, weird environment. So we went down to the area where they did the blood tests and this older, no-nonsense nurse was very strict with me about how I held my arm. And she started coming at me with a needle that looked like a harpoon to my eyes. As it got closer to my arm, I completely lost my cool. Just, yep, had enough of holding in my terror and confusion I went into full-on quote whiff of Scottish blood unquote berserk mode on this poor nurse I was screaming thrashing kicking having a full-on meltdown my mom was horrified mortified and pissed I'd always been this really compliant child, and now she was watching some kind of angry, unreasonable demon in my place. I remember other people drifting down the hall and looking in, and I, there was somebody that actually said that they thought I was getting an arm cut off without anesthesia. So everyone backed off for a minute. They gave me a little space, and my mom tried to reason with me. And I was having none of it. Absolutely zero. Nope. And eventually, she resorted to having to scare me into doing it. Something about, like, she said, having to live with my throat in pain all my life. I don't quite remember exactly what she said, but it was the first memory I ever had where she scared me into obedience. So then the next attempt comes through, right? And a super tall orderly came in. Like, he was almost brushing the top of the door. He was so tall. And he sat in this chair with the armrest, you know, that you're supposed to put your arm on when you're getting your blood drawn. 
and then they put me in his lap. This stranger I've never met wrapped an arm around me and then held me down so they could take blood. And I gave him quite a challenge. I thought I had accessed full flip out mode before. Ha! Now that had been just the tip of the iceberg to this next level. Wow, poor guy probably had some epic shin bruises and sore ribs. That was a tornado in his arm. That damn needle got in, finally, and was just as scary and painful as I thought it was going to be. It was a horrible experience for me. My poor mom, she was torn between horror, embarrassment, and trying to figure out how to console me. And I am sad to say that it was that moment that I stopped fully trusting her. I felt deeply betrayed that she would let me go through something I was clearly terrified of and didn't stop it. So this important sense of safety in the world fractured for me. I mean, I get it now. It's taken me many years to realize this instance, this moment in my life transformed me in a visceral way. And being a mom myself, I get those heartbreaking moments when I've had to overrule my children for their own good. And at that moment, when I was a child, I needed that test to be done so the surgery would be safe. I just couldn't understand it at the time. I do now, but my understanding today doesn't negate how this had such a profound effect on my life. It was a lesson that taught me my fear and yelling won't make scary things go away. That I won't necessarily be saved from that by my parents. The people I was meant to be able to trust the most couldn't or wouldn't save me from that experience. And it took me decades to even start to consider that these early experiences had anything to do with how I related to the world in the present. The day of the surgery, I was on the bed in a room and the anesthesiologist came in. My memories tell me his skin was dark and he had this musical accent. Today, I think he may have come from India based on my memories of how his accent sounded to me. He sat on a chair, introduced himself, and told me he was going to help me sleep while they fixed my throat. I wonder now sometimes if he had some training in hypnosis, or if I just felt seen and heard. All I know is it helped me be more calm. I asked questions, and he answered me. And that helped me feel better about what was going to happen. I was still scared, but he explained that he needed to give me a shot to help my body relax. I didn't really want to do that. But then he did a magical thing. He asked me if he could give me the shot. Asked me. And that put the power in my court. I thought about it for a bit. And he waited patiently. There was no sense of hurry or rush from him. I had space and time to consider. I said yes. 
He was quick and kind. I hardly felt it. And you know, I haven't been afraid of needles since either. So I really do wonder if he had some kind of hypnosis thing going on. Not long after that, I went to surgery, wheeled in the bed, watching as the ceiling tiles passed and nurses dressed in white. And then there was the operating room. Again, the dark vomit green walls. And it was cold. And there were lots of scary instruments. The anesthesiologist was there in a face mask and gown, but he talked to me again, and I relaxed. Then there was a mask with gas and asking me if I could count backwards from ten. I was very proud of myself that I could. I got to eight before there was just blackness. Sound started floating into the blackness, into my consciousness. I was very confused. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't breathe on my own. I could feel my lungs getting air, but I wasn't doing anything to make that happen. I was terrified. I could not understand what was going on. I tried to talk and nothing happened. I started to listen to the sound and I realized they were voices. As I focused, I heard my doctor talking to the nurse. He was asking for forceps and a sponge. He said some other things that didn't make sense and then I felt it. A pain in my throat unlike anything I had ever felt. I tried to shrink from it but I couldn't move. I tried to scream but I couldn't do that either. So I started chanting and screaming in my mind. Stop! Stop hurting me! Stop! Stop! Please don't hurt me anymore. Please, please stop. But no one heard me. I was under anesthesia and they didn't know I had become conscious. And that lesson taught me that my voice could be silenced. That I will have to endure pain without it stopping because I cried out. That I couldn't cry out. That I had to endure this. But it hurts so much. So I ran away in my head. I just told myself to not be there anymore. I cast myself as far away from my body as I could. I was determined to make a world exist where I didn't feel pain like this. And I did. I, I felt myself leave my body. And I finally saw the doctor and the nurse leaning over my body. And then I went into blackness. And I woke up in the recovery room. Perhaps some reading told the anesthesiologist that I needed more medicine. Whatever it was, that torture was finally over. When I tried to talk to the nurse, my throat was so dry, I couldn't get any words out. I couldn't swallow. And that made me panic. She talked to me and soothed me and gave me a sip of water. And I fell back to sleep. I woke up again in the room that I had started in. A nurse was there. I slept on and off, eating popsicles when I was awake. And then the doctor and his nurse came in and asked me how I was doing while they checked me out. My throat was scratchy, but I could talk a little. And I told them 
about waking up and how much it hurt when they took out my tonsils. They looked at each other in, in alarm. The doctor shook his head and said, that was impossible. I had medicine to keep me asleep. Maybe I had a bad dream. I shook my head and I said, no, I heard you. You asked the nurse for forceps and a sponge. At that, all the color drained out of his face. How could I know those words at four? Why would I make something like that up? He looked at his nurse again and then back at me. He came closer to my bed, leaned in slightly, and his face changed from the sweet grandfather figure to a stern old man. And he said very slowly and forcefully, only a bad little girl would lie like that. I remember feeling this wash of cold all over my body. I couldn't breathe. I didn't blink for a long moment. I felt those words burrow into my brain. I could feel new paths being forged, emotions tapped, truths realigned. I was profoundly changed by those words. I could literally feel it happening to me. He was authority. He was good. So if he said those words, they must be truth. Even if it felt wrong, even if it hurt. I felt my confidence and my vision of the world shift and move to accommodate this new reality. The new reality that my words meant very little. That if I spoke truth, especially truth about pain, that was a lie. Then he told me I should never tell that lie again. If I wanted to be a good girl, I would never lie like that again. And I did want to be a good girl. I always tried to be a good girl. I didn't like being in trouble. I didn't like feeling people being upset with me. I could feel that in my heart, their hurt, anger, and upset. It made me catch my breath and it scared me. So I tried so very hard to be good. Now here I was being told by someone I thought of on the same level as a grandparent that I had lied and was being bad. I breathed in and with a sort of outside observation, looked down the future of my life and saw things change to accommodate this new sense of self. I could hear my spirit self sighing with resignation and also reassuring me that it would be okay in the end that I would learn what I needed to on this new path. That even though it wasn't what I thought I was going to have, but if I paid attention, I would learn valuable things along the way. In this moment, I was a spiritual observer to the path of my life, and I knew it was going to have some hard moments. That I was here this to learn these things to grow the way this pain would shape me like a sculptor 
sees the piece waiting to emerge out of a piece of marble. The me meant for this life would emerge with the chipping away of extraneous bits. There would be hurt. There would be loss. There would be turbulence and turmoil. But if I stayed the course, if I kept holding on, it would turn out amazing. Life would be amazing. First the struggle, the fight, the patience, the stoicism. I sighed in my mind. I didn't really want it to have to be this hard. I wanted to have a life that had more ease and fun in it. As some deep inner wisdom assured me, I was meant for this life. I was here for this. I had a purpose in life and this would be the training and experience I needed to live and thrive with my purpose. The change was complete. I felt it sink deep into the marrow of my being. My brain was rewired. I looked up at the doctor and nodded my head in silence. My new life had begun. My mom and dad came in later and my memories of that moment just scattered. I never told them what happened. I legitimately didn't remember it for decades. The effects, though, they were embedded in my brain and my heart. I rarely complained of pain after that. I held in my tears more. I tried hard to never show I was crying or hurting, but I felt it all. I'm extremely sensitive emotionally, and I would be devastated if I saw a death on TV or an animal on the side of the road, but I held all that in and tried hard to be a good girl and not make a fuss. I went through my childhood squashing my boys, going along with the status quo or flying off into the world of books. I talked, sure. I made up stories and chatted with friends, but important things, things that hurt or scared me, those things stayed in that vault of silence that I had for those moments. There are a few times that my voice tried to be heard, but that that deep conditioning that I had accepted had a really, really strong grip on me. In fact, when I was 22, 22 or so, I had to have my gallbladder removed. Now, I've had seven children, seven live births, and I would do that seven more times before I ever had another gallbladder attack. Oh my God, those are painful. Anyway, I went into surgery and guess what? I woke up again while I was being operated on. I felt something hot burning me. I expect it was like some kind of cauterizing tool. And in the moment when I'm feeling this pain, I remembered my experience with the tonsils. And I thought, shit, I should have told them about that. But then I remembered that I had forgotten the memory in the first place, and I had forgotten it on purpose. So here I was, again, on an operating table, screaming in my head, ow, stop, ow, 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 and it just kept going. And I remembered again that I had left, left 
the building <laughs> the last time left my mind. So I did it again. And I was crafting a, a much nicer experience. But then suddenly blackness rolled over me. So I, I imagine that, again, the anesthesiologist noticed something and gave me more medicine. And when I woke up in the recovery room and remembered all of that, I thought, damn, again? I should tell somebody. And then instantly, just like a wave crashing over me, I can't tell anyone. No one will believe me. No one. And I forgot it again. In addition to those pretty traumatic experiences. I also spent 26 years in a relationship where my voice was berated. My truths negated. I learned to censor my words more than ever. It could take me days to figure out a conversational path that wouldn't be fraught with landmines. I would I had to learn how to look at anything I was going to say through this lens of suspicion and toxicity uh, to predict as best as I could what not to say so I could avoid conflict. I spoke, but only what I thought I could say without quote-unquote getting in trouble. It was again this like, I don't want to be a bad girl thing. I was in my late 40s when the memories of my childhood tonsil surgery came back to my conscious waking memory. I'd been doing so much work on myself, a few years at that point. I was divorced. So I was doing a lot of energy healing, tantra work, getting involved with authentic relating, some therapy, journaling, and all of that helped me breach that wall surrounding the memory. It came pouring out late one night with my partner at the time. I became that little girl. My voice came out and asked, why? Why hurt me? Why can't you hear me? Please st stop hurting me. And I finally said it out loud. It was a relief and revelation. That tiny part of me that had been lost for so long had a chance to be heard. I cannot put into words that fully and accurately describe the power of that moment, the release of that stuck energy. It was, it was overwhelming, and it took me a while to process what all of that meant to me. One thing that really came up for me was how, up until this time, I struggled with singing there were just a handful of notes I never seemed to be able to hit, even though they were in my range. And this made me shy to sing around others as my voice would crack or fade out when I was singing notes. But after that revelation, I started noticing my voice coming in stronger and more completely. And as I continued to work on myself, I, I found I was able to hold and sustain notes. I had to work around before and that was affirming and it was like it was a transcendent experience and then with more inner work 
more energy moving and some deeply healing ceremony work with generational trauma associated with my matrilineal line, my mother's line. One night, my voice burst from me in song with such power and range and emotion. And it was the voice that I knew in my bones existed in me, but had been held back for so long. My shyness of singing has mostly dissipated for me. (laughs) The shyness of talking and standing in my truth is gone. I look back on that moment and I acknowledge that what happened wasn't right. What he said wasn't good. I also acknowledge that that doctor was just doing the best he knew how to at the time. He was a product of his experience and thought process. Many believed and maybe still believe that children forget their childhood. That the natural resilience of youth negates these points of trauma. And I acknowledge that many people do not consciously remember large parts of their childhood. For me, I guess it's a a blessing and a curse that I can remember as far back as I can. But I don't I don't see that consciously not remembering your childhood negates the points of trauma that are still operating their energy and driving your current behaviors. For me, finding that moment and being able to experience it with the the light of my current experience and perspective, I could see how deeply it carved a path in my life. I've also been able to integrate that now, process it in a way that allows me to be more mindful of how I speak to others, especially how I speak to children. I'm more fully aware of how important it is to encourage others to be true to their inner voice, listen to intuition, speak their truth. And all of this, this is a part of my work, my heart work in the world. Using my voice to reach out and holding space for others to find their voices. This story is my journey, how a small moment caused large consequences and that those consequences can live under the radar of consciousness, yet still make profound changes to your behaviors and thoughts. And I looked so long for healing, but I discovered it was always within me. I just had to access it. And that healing, it's all within you as well. Thank you for coming to my podcast today. I wish you well. And I wish you many blessings. Tell your story. Write your own healing. <laughs>